0: If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to find Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, today is our last day in a series that we have called Global. All right, This, this series, uh, simply put, is, is focusing on how God might use us to have an impact on the world at a global level. Uh, This is something that is at the heart of our church here. Uh, You will hear us talk about this or mention this, uh, kind of our global impact in almost every series that we do. At some point, you know, this comes up. We want to make sure that we are not just like a church that is focused inward. On, like, what can we do so that we enjoy our Sundays and we have a great time and we get to hang out with our friends? We believe that God has a purpose for us, and that purpose is greater than just these four walls in this building. All right, so we had uh, Pastor Corey from Sock Center location. Uh, He had an opportunity to visit Thailand this past fall and see firsthand what was going on there uh, through kind of an initiative called Change the Map. All right, so two weeks ago, he shared what God was laying on his heart with that opportunity. Last week, we actually had the area missions director for Change the Map uh, come and speak with us. And it's always funny when we have some of these missionaries come back and the local connections that they have. So he actually uh, was born in Sock Center, grew up in Holdingford, and his dad was from Long Prairie, and his mom was from Sock Center. And so he's just kind of from this area. He grew up actually at the church in Little Falls that I grew up at. Uh, and his mom was my Sunday school teacher. And so it's just this like small world that kind of happens. Um, but he currently leads the missionaries from five different countries all of which make up the area that is really dominated by uh, Buddhism all right and it was interesting to hear how a, how different of a culture that area of the world has and he finished with a challenge to pray for the Buddhist world and I want to pick up the baton from him uh, and continue that thought today and end by challenging us with some very Practical, but I believe very pivotal, important ways that we can be part of what God is doing in the Buddhist world. All right, so let's just kind of be open to what God would have for us today. Uh, Whether this is something that you are currently passionate about or not, I believe that God wants to lead us and use us in just new and crucial ways today. All right, so would you stand with me, if you're willing, if you're able, stand. We are going to read out of Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, Just a couple verses here, starting in verse number 10. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. God, we just pray that uh, this time together would be um, something that would would change us. God, I know it's something I say almost every week, but Lord, when I'm in your presence, when I open up your word, Lord, I want to be changed. I know there's still so much left in me that needs to change. So please continue that process this morning. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. I think that when we talk about the global church uh, and the people around the world that have yet to be introduced to Jesus, uh, it's really easy to sometimes think that that might be someone else's job. And maybe even the fact that we bring in uh, missionaries almost monthly uh, to talk to us about what's going on, maybe that even adds to a little bit of that feeling where we're like, okay, that's their job to go around the world and to tell people about Jesus. My job is right here where I'm at. Okay, and, and I think that that's not necessarily completely wrong, uh, but I, I think there is, there's a little bit of misthinking that we have in that by thinking that it's someone else's job. I, I want to start there and kind of ask, like, is this actually our responsibility in some way? And to do this, I think we actually need to go back to the beginning uh, of God's plan uh, with having a relationship with humanity. All right, now, not actually like the beginning. That would be the Garden of Eden. But what I want us to do is I want us to quickly look at um, when God chooses a a single family and pulls them out from the rest of creation. And this would be Abraham. And he starts this covenant with him and says, I want to have this relationship with you. All right, and so I want to read this. This is in Genesis 12. Uh, When God does this with Abraham, and he actually does it several times, uh, but this is kind of the first one here. So it says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So the important thing here, uh, God chose this family to be special, to be like his people, kind of set apart. And and he has his own group of people that have a relationship with him. Today, anyone who has a relationship with God in this type of way that we would say uh, within Christianity, we're just called Christians. Christians. All right, like that's, that's how we would kind of uh, discern that group today. Now, at this time, uh, it was Abraham and his family that would eventually become the Israelites and the Jewish people. They were the people that were set apart to have this special relationship with God. Now, when we when we read this, uh, what, what did we see? Did God just pick them and say, hey, I'm going to have a great relationship with you, and you just get to be special, and that's the end of it? Uh, there, there was a purpose to what he was doing. He says, I will make you into a great nation. But he says, not for your sake. Not so that you can say, look at us, we're a great nation. He says, I, I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. That's a big responsibility. That, that's massive. That's massive. Can you imagine if God said that to you today? Like, I'm going to use you, and I want, through you, everyone in the world is going to be blessed. I'd be like, can we just start with my neighborhood? <laughs> Maybe go to Long Prairie from there? Like, seriously, like the entire world. That's, that's huge. So God chose Abram and his family. He wanted to have a relationship with them. He wanted to bless them. But it, the blessing wasn't supposed to stop there. It was supposed to go out from them, to other people, not just a few others, but to the world. All right. So, like, uh, this this is the best analogy I can come up with. It'd be like if I were actually a really nice person. Um, some days I think I'm okay. Some days I'm not. All right. If I were actually a really nice person, and I said, "Hey, I want to buy every single one of you a gift card to Dairy Queen." All right, how many of you guys would be like, yeah, I, I, I'm okay with that. You can buy me a gift card to Dairy Queen. And I had this big stack of gift cards, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go down to the front row, and I'm going to hand them to Jonathan over here on the, on the front side. But I'm giving them to Jonathan, but Jonathan's job then is to pass it on so that it goes all the way through the room, and everybody gets a gift card. But what if I hand them to Jonathan, and he's like, This is amazing. I have like free Dairy Queen for life. If I just keep all of these things, like this is such a good life to have. I don't ever have to worry about it. I don't have to buy ice cream at a grocery store. I can just swing through the drive through, like all these different things that would happen from that. I'm just really special. I have free Dairy Queen anytime I want. And I'd be like, no, I, I gave those to you. To give to everybody else. That that was not meant to stay with you. You were not supposed to keep that. All right, and, and so that's kind of what happens with the Israelite people when Jesus actually comes onto the scene. So we fast forward through this is at the as you can see, the beginning of Genesis. And we go through the entire Old Testament, and Jesus shows up on the scene. And one of the biggest kind of complaints that he has, that a lot of things come back to, with the Israelites, with the Pharisees, with different people, is that they've just made this about them. It's like they are the special people, and no one else around them is special. They are set apart. They are God's favorite. Everybody else, no, you don't have that. And they actually, they begin to think, like, really negatively towards some people. Like, uh, basically towards the Samaritans, who would be another group near them, like... Uh, they basically would think of them on par with like an animal. And Jesus calls this out at one point. It's a really weird scripture because we don't have a little spot that says like sarcasm in there. And Jesus actually, this woman comes and says, hey, uh, could could you heal me? Could you? And he says, uh, it's not right that I take the food and give it to dogs. And you're like, whoa, Jesus. <laughs> Seriously, like... But in this moment, he's kind of basically, he's stepping into that role and saying, this is how you guys have viewed this. That you have all this special food, and that everyone else is just these dogs underneath the table that are just fighting for scraps. And, And God's like, that is not what I intended in this. So then, so Jesus, throughout his time, throughout his ministry, is kind of confronting these different things. Uh, And then when, when it's time for him to leave, he says this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, like in this moment, Jesus is trying to say, hey, get back to what you were supposed to do. Do you remember the original thing here? You are the chosen people. You're set apart. Yes, you are blessed because of it. But it's not supposed to stay with you. Go into the world. And then in Acts 1, it kind of has a little different thing that he says there. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And he paints it as, you need to do this in Jerusalem. Okay, that's like right where you are right now. That's where they were. That's that's who he was talking to. You do it here. Then he says, and Judea, that's the area around. So it'd be like, okay, we need to make a difference here in Long Prairie. But we also, we need to make a difference in central Minnesota. Or even just Minnesota as a whole. And then he says, and Samaria. Okay, remember, that's the group of people that they're a little bit... They're close to them, but it also is a different group of people that they don't like. Okay, so for us, that's Wisconsin. <laughs> All right, so God's like, okay, not only do you need to reach Long Prairie and Central Minnesota and Minnesota, but you know those, those Wisconsin people that, you know, they, they like the Green Bay Packers and everything. I know you struggle with that, but you need to reach them. You know, a more practical An analogy of that today would be, okay, whatever political party you think you would affiliate with, the other one. That's who you need to reach. Those people that you constantly are arguing with and fighting with, and you think there's just no redeemable quality in them, that's who you need to reach. And then he says, and the ends of the earth. That means it doesn't stop there. It keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. So God initiated this plan. Jesus came and jump-started it and got it going again. And yet, when we look around us today at the greater church, people are perfectly content with building up their own little kingdoms, having nice stuff for, for the people in their church, and we're God's chosen people, we're Christians, yay! Let's make this as great as we can for us. And they're thinking about their Jerusalem maybe, maybe their Judea, but how often are we thinking about the Samaria and the ends of the earth? And when Jesus listed these four places, do you see how he connected them? You know, this is kind of back to uh, English class. It wasn't the word or, it was the word and. And. This isn't a choice. This isn't saying, okay, which one of you wants to do this one? Which one of you wants to do this one? Which one's going to do this one? He says, and. This is our responsibility. I believe that we all have a responsibility to each one of these. Now here's the thing. That responsibility can look different. It doesn't have to be, nor should it probably be, the same or necessarily even equal in our lives, between all four of these. I believe that God has placed certain passions in each one of us for a purpose and for a reason. I think some people have, uh, are, are super passionate about the, the local needs and ministries that we have in our town. I think of uh, Shane over at our Sock Center location who heads up Ruby's Pantry and all these different like Second Harvest food drops and things like his heart is local. How am I having an impact here? All right, some of us are super passionate about things, maybe more on the national level, that we'd say is our Judea, like human trafficking that's happening in America. Some of us are, are passionate about groups that aren't like us. Maybe you have a heart for Muslims, you have a heart for Buddhists, or, or ministry to other ethnic groups of people. And some of us are passionate about global missions and going to the ends of the earth. And that's okay to be more passionate in one area than another. But what we can't do is flat out neglect one of these areas because we think that's not me. That's not my passion. I believe all of us are called to all of these in some way, shape, or form. Now, what does it look like, then, to have some responsibility towards an area and not neglect it? Well, we're, we're talking about global this month. I'm going to focus on that, to the ends of the earth. All right, but I do think that what I'm going to say here probably could be applied uh, to each one of the areas. I think the easiest way to do this is to break it down into kind of three different categories. You've probably heard this before. Um, and I think maybe we should have a little bit of all of these in our life, Okay. Uh, these, these are the three ways that I think that we can be responsible for this. Give, go, pray. Alright, real simple. Give, go, pray. And we try to give opportunities for each one of these. Alright, this is why we do uh, a lot of our, our short-term trips, so that we can go, we can be engaged, we can see what God is doing around the world. We also have projects through Kingdom Builders that we give to, kind of like uh, even what we're doing right now with Change the Map. But our main focus this year is not a, a financial push for change of the map. All right, I think an area that is more important and that we want to grow in as a church is that we want to be a church that prays with a global mindset. All right, That doesn't mean that you can't pray for other things. That doesn't mean that you can't pray for things locally. It means our prayer time shouldn't completely neglect the ends of the earth but if you were to do an inventory right now of what your prayer life looked like this last week okay and some of us already are like no please no don't do that <laughs> all right but let's let's say you're praying P- pick a week where you were doing a decent job of praying how much of it was focused on the ends of the earth you know i think it's it's really easy to focus on our jerusalem on our local on what's happening in our life but that also becomes very easy then to become very self-centered and even selfish in our prayer time. And maybe when you hear this idea of prayer being a way that we can engage to the ends of the earth, maybe you feel like that's kind of a cop-out answer. Um, you know, kind of like the words, how many of you guys have ever heard this before? Like, oh yeah, I'll be praying for you. I would love to know if somehow we could do an actual like, study on it. How many times when someone says, "I'll be praying for you," do they actually then follow through and pray? Because it probably is, is embarrassing. Um, it's just kind of it's become like the Christian little thing that we say, "I'll be praying for you." And maybe, maybe you're actually really good at that, and that's awesome. Um, but just uh, I don't think that these words are meant to be a cop-out. These words aren't to be an empty sentiment. All right, like I I think that prayer is incredibly important. Now, prayer operates in the supernatural and not always in the natural. Like the effects of prayer may often go unseen for us. We live in a world where seeing is believing. We want proof. We want to see the numbers of how something has made the difference. All right, like where's the report of data that tells me that this was worth it? Okay, where what's the ROI return on investment for this time here? All right, and that's not how the supernatural always works. All right, I think there's a story in Scripture that can kind of illustrate this a little bit for us. It's not even actually necessarily about prayer, but I want to share this. Uh, this is this is Moses and the Israelites. They've left Egypt, and they are being attacked by another group. Okay, now the practical natural way of thinking is okay. Who's going to win this battle? Well, who has the most men? Who has the best weapons? And who has the best strategy? Right? Like, that's probably who's going to win. There, there are some, you know, outliers in there, but usually that's what things come down to. Alright, I want to read this. This is in uh, Exodus 17, I think. I don't have it written in here, but it's starting in verse 8. I have that, verse 8, but I believe it's Exodus 17. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill, holding the staff of God in my hand. Now understand this staff absolutely kind of represents some things, because this same staff would have been there, you know, like parting of the Red Sea, and water from the rock, and like all these different things. So this staff is not just necessarily a staff. Verse 10, So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. This is a wild story. (laughs) Uh, Not at all what you would expect from a typical battle. And actually, we don't really see... Other things like this, again, in Scripture, there's, there's some other things, you know, you have the battles of like Gideon is fighting in, and stuff like that. Uh, but what we do know here is this. Like, when it came to this battle, Moses' staff was more effective than the Israelites' swords. I don't know why. Well, because God doesn't need a sword to win the battle. He just needs people who will partner with him. God doesn't fight battles in the same way we do. So often we want to have control of this. We want, to, we want to be like, okay, as long as I fight hard, like we're going to do well. The staff was how God was working through Moses with the army. Last week, Mark was here and sharing about what they are trying to do in the Buddhist world. And for him specifically in Thailand... And I hear stories like that, and my mind goes right into like, okay, well, what strategy can we implement in Thailand and in the Buddhist world? What things can we purchase to help them reach the Thai people? Uh, Can we send more people, more workers to that area? And and me thinking in that way, do you know what that is? That's me reaching for the sword and saying, okay, my strategies, my effort, God, that's how we're going to do this. The problem is the sword doesn't always win the battle. It didn't matter how hard the Israelites fought. If the staff was lowered, they were losing. And if it was raised, they were winning. Mark is convinced that when it comes to our our missionaries in the Buddhist world... It doesn't matter how many necessarily that we have, how much money that we have, what strategies we implement. If they are not covered in prayer, they cannot win that battle. He is convinced of this. Paul says this in his letter to the Ephesians. We read this at the beginning of today. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers... In this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Okay, a sword doesn't do a lot of good in that battle. There is a supernatural side to ministry into our world that we don't always see and we don't always even understand. All right, but, but the key for us to partner with God in his supernatural plans is prayer. That is how we partner with God. And I think there are a couple reasons why Mark is so convinced that prayer is what they need. First reason would be because we've actually seen this make a massive difference in the Muslim world. Um, a few decades ago, there were people that, that basically took time on Fridays and started praying for Muslims. Um... And so Fridays are going to have a very important time for them throughout their week for Muslims. And so, even I know our superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Minnesota, he had moved from Hibbing up on the Iron Range down to Minneapolis. Very different world, very different cultures. And he just, even in that moment, began to have a heart for the Muslims that were moving in to Minneapolis. And he started taking Fridays, and every Friday he would fast. And he would pray over lunch, and this start like I don't, I'm not saying that he started this whole thing, but there there are many people that started taking the same approach, and on Fridays started praying and praying. And, and Mark, at a different time, I don't think he shared it here last week, but he's talked about how he met a fellow missionary at one point who was a missionary to the Muslim world, and, and that missionary was telling him a story of he said, you know, every believer that we have from a Muslim background in our country. Every one of them in our ministry, and he's not saying, you know, like across the world, but he said in, in, in our ministry, every one of them came to Jesus because they had a dream that Jesus appeared to them, telling them who he is and that they needed to seek him out. That's amazing. That is a different way of doing missions. And those types of things, I don't think that just happens. Those types of supernatural moments and dreams that happen, that happens because of prayer. It happens because of prayer. And as Mark is listening to this other missionary, he just was feeling this like, we are missing that. We are missing something. I think the other thing is this. Mark is is pushing for this prayer because, well, I mean, we know no amount of strategy can replace prayer. No amount of strength can can replace that. But as he was asked to kind of lead this area of the world, he was in Thailand. He talked about this. He was in Thailand, and he was asked to step into a role where he would lead uh, kind of these five different countries. Um, And as he was doing this, he began to just kind of like look at... uh, Look, or sorry, he, he was looking at a map, but, but I think there's also this side where he's, um, I'm going to talk about that in a moment, uh, there's this side where he, he understands the spiritual weight of that area. Okay, right now, I'm not saying that there isn't spiritual weight here, or there isn't spiritual weight in other parts of the Western world, but I, I do think that because uh, one of Satan's biggest weapons right now, Uh, in in our area of the world, is that people just don't believe he's real. I mean, like, how great is that for him? And so when that happens, he's not going to necessarily step out and have the same type of um, spiritual attack on people. Because he almost like kind of play he ends up showing his hand, and can you think about like if we started to see more outright spiritual things happening, we probably would have more people walking through the doors of churches being like, "I don't know what's going on out there, but I need to figure this out." All right now, where he's at in his area of the world, we saw this last week, he showed a video of how it is so Spiritual, what's happening. Every single house that he goes to has this little spirit shrine. Or even the house that they lived in had an entire floor that was devoted to a spirit. He talks about these festivals where they, they invite demons out of, the, out of the mountains to come down and, and basically to uh, inhabit this person who's then going to uh, eat the raw meat of this buffalo. And he's talking about this whole thing and it's just crazy. And he shows a video last week of some of these um, festivals that are happening. And just like the, the outright spiritual warfare that you see. I have not ever seen anything like that personally here. I'm not saying that it's not happening. I'm saying it plays out in a different way. And for him, he sees the spiritual side of things in that area of the world. And he's like, we absolutely, absolutely need prayer. That is the weapon that we need. That is how you combat these things. And I think sometimes we just don't always understand spiritual warfare and what that role is. And um, In Daniel chapter 10, there's actually this spot, Daniel's praying, and after three weeks, a messenger from God comes through, and he says, hey, I tried to come to you, actually, when you first started praying. But basically, I got engaged in this spiritual battle, and I couldn't make it. I was held up until someone else came, helped me, and I could break away from that battle and get to you because I have a message for you. And like we, we see this in scripture, it isn't just this kooky thing. Now I'm not the person that's like, okay, be careful because every bush outside as we walk out has a demon hiding in it, so just make sure, you know, like I'm not someone who, who over-spiritualizes things, and maybe to a fault even, but I do know that this is 100% real, this is something that is happening around us, whether we actually see it or not, whether we realize it or not, this is happening. We want to have an impact on our world. I do anyways. I think most people I talk to want to. I know that the next generation desires to have an impact on this world because I hear it from them all the time. And how do we tell if we're having an impact? By some way of measuring it. And I think this is why in in so many ways the modern church is is missing it in this area. I would say that our church is missing it in this area. I am missing it in this area. Because when it comes to prayer, when it comes to the supernatural, it's just not something that you can always measure in the same way. And when we don't measure it, we just kind of give up or don't care, and it doesn't matter if we're kind of going halfway or not. But what I do know based on my experiences... In my life, and on the experiences of friends who are missionaries in other parts of the world, prayer matters massively. Prayer matters massively. All right, I get excited about all the different strategies of how missionaries are reaching people and gaining access to them. I love it. The, the different things that we're hearing from people there are missionaries that are going around the world and they are opening up CrossFit gyms in India. Because you can't necessarily get into a country saying, hey, I'm a missionary. I want to I make a bunch of people Christians. I want to talk to them about Jesus. They'd be like, uh, nope, <laughs> you're not coming in. But you can say, hey, I want to start a CrossFit gym. It's not lying. They're going to there to start a CrossFit gym. Through the relationships that they will build with people, there's a good chance that then they get to share their faith. We have one guy that he's going to India to, to do like soccer coaching. And it's funny, he actually doesn't really even know anything about soccer. I was talking to him a long time ago. He's like, "I'm trying to learn as much as I can." We have people doing coffee shops. Last year, the project that we gave to was a group that was uh, had a coffee shop and was going to start a coffee farm up in the mountains with this village with the purpose of being able to go up there, have access to this village who has no access to the gospel. There's no scripture in their language. And they are going to use this coffee farm to go up there and begin to translate the Bible into their language. I love hearing strategies and like things like that. like That is how I am wired. But when I talk to those same missionaries, prayer trumps strategy every day of the week. It doesn't matter how good your strategy is if it's not covered in prayer. It's the single most important part of missionaries going around to different churches. We see them come up here, and we take an offering, and yes, they have to raise financial support, but every single one of them, and I don't, I I used to almost kind of think this was just a gimmick, but it's not. They say, the real reason why we go from church to church, yeah, we need to raise finances, but we need to build a network of prayer that will go with us onto the mission field. When Mark was asked to be the area director, um, he initially didn't want to. He, he said he, he loved where he's at in Thailand. And then he began to look at a map of the five countries, okay? So this is where the, the map is. He looks at this map of the five countries that he would be over and where Buddhism really is the dominant religion. And you have, you have these countries, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, Vietnam. These are the five countries in this area where Buddhism is is just dominant in that country. And these are the countries that he would be over. And he says he remembers looking at this map, and he had gotten a map from uh, kind of the National Missions Office. And they had some stats on there. I think they were just like talking about the spirituality of those areas. And he said it just was this completely like dark area. Where there just was so much spiritual activity, but it was so dark. And that's where he began to feel God birth this vision that is called change the map. And it's what we've been talking about here for three weeks. He says, okay, so that's one of the maps. He said, what if we change that map? What if the map begins to have a little bit of light in it? What if that map begins to have some hope in it? And he believes this is going to happen through prayer. Prayer. That's what Change the Map is all about. That's why when he goes around, his main focus isn't on trying to raise money. His main focus, the vision that he's casting, it's about creating this massive network of people here who would simply commit to praying for the Buddhist world. And you probably heard last week, what he wants is 50,000 people who will pray. 50,000 people who will pray. And for us as our church leadership, we are on board with this. All right, and so I want to kind of challenge us with this and give us a practical way to be part of it. Let's let's stand as we kind of close this here and I walk us through this quickly. We want to be praying for the Buddhist world, but really even beyond this, we We wanted, as a church, we wanted to begin to think, how can we engage ourselves in prayer for our missionaries? We want this to be part of it. We want to pray for Mark. We want to be part of the 50,000 that are praying for the Buddhist world. But just in general, we want to be praying for our missionaries in a better way. Aaron, could you run and grab your little prayer flip thing? I was going to grab mine this morning, and I, I forgot to grab it off our... Our counter there's a few ways that we want to give you like opportunities to be part of this because I believe that we have a responsibility to our world God's plan isn't for us to stay inside these four walls of the church, that was never the plan that's why in Acts 2 the Holy Spirit comes and, and fills his followers instead of God's presence staying in the temple God was now mobile he was in his followers. And where they went, he went. And the people that they interacted with, God interacted with. But that doesn't happen when we focus inward and just care about our own lives and what is happening here. And I'm not saying that none of us care about the ends of the earth, but, but I would guess that most of us could probably increase the amount of prayer that is focused on that area in our life. So on your chair today, when you came in, there's a tiny, there's a lot of little papers, okay? We have the one that we've been putting on there each week, talking about the Buddhist world. Okay, there's a QR on there that you can scan and become part of the 50,000, all right? There's also a smaller little square piece of paper. And as a church, we're going to start trying to basically just, what we wanted to do is send out a text message a couple times a week, three times a week. We are going to get that text message, and it's going to remind you, and you can just stop right where you are and just quickly pray. All right, Mark needs some people that are, are prayer warriors that are going to spend time on their knees just crying out to God for the Buddhist world. They They need that. But they also need someone who's just willing to say, I'm going to, on a regular basis, just pray for you. It might be a 3 minute prayer, it might be a 1 minute prayer, it might be a 30 second prayer. You get a text message and you say, "Okay, I'm going to pray right now." And we're going to have a little bit of direction in those text messages of what you can pray for, how you can be praying, things like that. And we want to just we want to be people who can put this into our everyday life. So if you want to do that, that little square piece of paper, our ushers are going to be at the door. They're going to have the little buckets, all right? Not for money, but just for these little square slips. All you have to do, write your name, write your cell phone. It's going to come out as a text message. If you write a landline, that's going to be really annoying. We're going to constantly get the thing back. You have texted a landline. Press star, whatever, to go through with this. Okay, like, so cell phone and your name. Another thing that you could do, we made this a little while ago for our staff. And we have, you know, these little, we actually bought them from, I think, like a restaurant website. You know, because you see these at Perkins. Perkins. And what we did is we had these cards for our missionaries. Last year we were handing a bunch of these cards out on a monthly basis. And for my family, we've kind of fallen off this train over the last like month and a half here. But we have this sitting on our, our dinner table. And our kids love it. Every single night they're like, all right, I want to pray for the missionary tonight. We have the name of a missionary, where they are, their prayer requests. And we pray for them. And we flip it over, and the next night we have another missionary to pray for. I loved having my kids be engaged in prayer for our workers around the world. If you want something like this, okay, this costs a little bit of money. I think it was like eight dollars or something. If you want something like this, we're not just going to make up a couple hundred of them and no one takes them or they throw them away or something. On your little card, that you're writing your phone number and your name. On the back of it, just write something like, I, I want one of these little flip things. And I can't remember what we decided. If if we're going to say, hey, it's $8 so that we can order that and put it together for you, um, or if we're just doing that. I can't remember, all right? But if you're interested in having something like this as well, uh, write that on that little card, and we will reach out to you because you have your cell phone on there and your name, all right? Uh, we will try and have that. But I want to challenge us, how can we be praying? How can we be praying for the ends of the earth? Let's let's do that right now. Let's pray together as we close. And let's just even begin right now praying for Mark and some of the other missionaries that we support. God, we lift up Mark and Janie who were here last week. God, this, this vision that you've put on their heart. Lord, and it really is a, it's another strategy that's out there, but God, it's... It's a strategy that's rooted in prayer, that the entire focus is prayer. God, we pray that this would begin to just change that area of the world. God, that in the same way that we're seeing in the Muslim world, that that Buddhists would begin to just have dreams where you are appearing to them. God, you are speaking to them. You are planting the seed there. So that when our workers are going to these countries, they're showing up and people are seeking them out and asking them, who is this Jesus that I need to follow? God, we pray that you would once again, jumpstart in us this focus of, of this special relationship we have with you, not staying with us, but being something that is meant to bless the people around us, to bless the entire world around us. God, that you would work through us, that you would use us, that we would not get too caught up in our own little world and focused inward, inward. but God, we would focus on, on the impact that we can have around the world. God, and that we would start by doing this through prayer. Jesus, we just, we ask that you would break our heart for those that are lost, that we would just feel this burden. Jesus, we ask that in your name. Amen.